What's it set? Focus, listen, breathe. It's my stress ball. <laughs> Ready? Five ball, breathe. Welcome to How to Take the Lead, the podcast where we challenge the myths and stereotypes of what it means to be a leader today and help you to succeed in post without compromise. I'm Lee Griffith. And I'm Carrie-Anne Wade. And together we will be your guides, questioning everything we've ever learned about leadership, sharing our experiences along the way and inspiring you to make a real impact in your role. Visit howtotakethelead.com for show notes, past episodes and to join our community. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of How to Take the Lead. Episode 7, we are going fast and furious through this series. I mean, it's like we're well over halfway now. It's scary. Where yeah. is this series going to? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is. It has flown by like Wiley Coyote in... Uh... I Honestly, sometimes we do these episodes and I think, where are we digging these references out from? Somewhere in the darkest depths of our minds. I actually, can I say, I was on a meeting earlier and I referenced Joe Pasquale and half the people at the meeting were like, huh? Who's like, oh, okay, literally, <laughs> bad reference, sorry everyone. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming out from all over the place. I, know. I, don't, I don't know where that Wiley Coyote, I literally <laughs> haven't probably referenced that in, in about 15 years. <laughs> I used to like the cartoons though. Anyway. It just seems to come. I mean, maybe this is like my Alan, Alan Partridge moment. And I like I press record and like the cheesy references and the DJ yeah. voice and all of that just come into the me. DJ voice. <laughs> Loving it. Because obviously I don't really sound like this in real life. I've, I'm, I speak the proper Queen's English. And <laughs> <laughs> and there's never a liaison to be found in real life. No, no. Or, or a niche reference. No. <laughs> Maybe that's a new podcast spin-off we could do, just called Niche References. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we digress anyway. again. Hello to everyone watching us on YouTube. We are over there. As usual, you can see us in all our starry glory. We've come, I, I, I promise you, we do not coordinate our outfits, but we so often seem to, I was going to get one really day. TMI then about syncing up, but that's like not. One one day we will come in the only dress that we both have the same version of without telling each other and it will be mortifying, but we'll just have to sit in it for the sake of our YouTube viewers. Oh, well, at least through YouTube we could go away, but it's when we both turn up for a co-working day and we're wearing the same dress that we would really have to <laughs> pop down to John Lewis, other clothing retailers are, are available. <laughs> so anyway, we are on YouTube. We are in your ears through whatever podcast platform you like to listen to your podcasts here and we're on Substack and I've been really enjoying um the little Substack notes that we send out after each episode this series because we put a few little extra bonuses in for people who um are part of our paid community and it's a good chance for people to add their comments and thoughts and ask questions get our input into stuff that, that you're pondering in the leadership world so yeah, all the links that you need for whatever it is you're interested in, visit howtotakethelead.com. Can I just say, I feel like the Substack show notes with the bonus uh, content has become like the new bonus episode of the podcast yeah. now because we got obsessed with the bonus apps for a bit, yeah. didn't we? And we don't do them now, but I feel like all that bonus is going What do you mean we don't do them? We literally did one last Substack. series. 
Did we? Yeah. Well, we, one. We, yeah, we, but do you remember when we started and we did about like as many bonus yeah. episodes as we did oh, that's actual true. episodes? That's true. But they're like, we're back again. <laughs> you can't, can't get rid it. of us. <laughs> <laughs> but now I feel like we can channel all that extra good yeah. stuff into the Substack uh, notes, which is quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Good little spot. I'm. I'm. In, I'm really enjoying the blogging vibes of uh, the olden days. <laughs> so today's episode. Uh, I, I'm, I'm bringing up the word thought leadership, which we're not about the whole kind of corporate BS. And this does feel a little bit like we're veering into it. I mean, it is a phrase I've used. It's a phrase I use with, with other people because people seemingly know what it's about. But it's also one of those ones where you just think, I'm a thought leader. I just had to know oh, well, we'll to... get on to that because who's determining whether yeah, you're a thought exactly, leader or not? <laughs> exactly. So, so we want, but it is, it is I, for all of the thing about what it's called, I think the, the stuff that sits underneath it is really important, which is why we want to tackle it. And I suppose I want to kick off by saying, if you're Joe Bloggs or Josephina Bloggs or J, J blogs, whoever you might be, whatever you identify as, um, can you still be a thought leader, or is it something that's a hierarchical thing? Like, how do you define thought so leadership? For a minute, I was like, is it just about what surname you've got? I don't know where this is going, but I get what you're saying. How? Yeah, regard. Can any, can any old yeah. Tom, Dick, and Harry? Yeah. Be a, be a thought leader. leader. <laughs> so I absolutely think that regardless of what your role or where you sit in the hierarchy of an organisation, you can definitely be a thought leader. And I actually Good. think, obviously, we reference um, healthcare a fair bit in our conversations because I still work in it and you obviously used to. But I think healthcare is probably a really good example of where you can have thought leaders who are not necessarily in kind of senior roles within an organisation. Because for me, it's about um, expertise. Mm. It's about the level of expertise that someone has on a specific subject matter or topic and the way in which then they can express that and talk about that and build trust in that space as someone who is the kind of go-to person about X, Y or Z. So, you know, for example, I might have people in my organisation who are the experts in, you know, forensic mental health uh, for women and stuff. You know, mm. so I just I I it, I don't think you have to be a leader or a senior person to be a thought leader. So while that leader kind of terminology is in there, for me, it definitely isn't about hierarchy or what role you're in. It's about your area of expertise and then what you might choose to do. With that area of expertise, yeah. which I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about as we go on. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this then. So if it's about your area of expertise, or is it about not what you do with it, special interest? It, but it, is it is it just general interest? Because my my view, and maybe this is the the subtleties in how we're approaching the the what is thought leadership, is you can be an expert. But you could be saying the same thing as 100 other people. For me, a thought leader is someone who brings something unique in their viewpoint to that topic. So they could be expert, but bring a different view or an insight over and above what you can get through what everyone else is saying. And for me, it's that married with the way yeah. that that person acts in and 
I suppose they execute their role in a consistent way that that makes them a thought leader versus an expert in their field. Yeah, I guess for me, though, the bit is about, and we might come on to this as we talk through the conversation, There, ha- well, maybe there doesn't have to be because there are some examples of where people are positioning themselves as thought leaders. And I think really, what do you know about anything? But for me, there has <laughs> to be a level of expertise or special interest that is something that that person is bringing it can't just be like generically about everything in life you are a thought leader because then I don't really think that you are but I do get your point about you know are you doing that in an innovative way for example is there a level of innovation or difference or uniqueness in the way that you are putting forward your thoughts and opinions and uh, evidence sometimes of the topic that you are are perceiving yourself to be an expert in. So yeah. yes, I do take I do take your point there. I don't disagree with yeah. you about that. I think it is for me it's the it's the are they helping to contribute different thinking? Are they challenging other people's thinking on a topic? So uh, there's almost an equation here now, isn't there? There's expert <laughs> plus uniqueness or different view equals thought leader yes there's something for me about some sort of evidence base or ability to I don't think justify is the right word but that your argument for your different view is one that comes from a sound place and isn't just about having a different view for having a different view's sake okay so the equation is expert (laughs) plus uniqueness over evidence equals thought leadership do you know what? You might have cracked it. If you've cracked that, that <laughs> equation, Lee, I think you're onto something. Every, everybody's going to be quoting this equation now. I can feel it. You're going to go viral. Is that me doing thought leadership in action? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Are, like, we, are the... we in some weird, like, um, what's Inception type, <laughs> being totally meta about our own point? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I also love that listeners will have heard it, but viewers will have seen it. The moment when that equation came good for you, you're actually like, oh, I was, I was literally, I was going to do my Johnny, I mean, this is a really old reference as well, my Johnny Ball moment with my piece of paper with it all written down, because I have actually written down the equation. Yeah, I could tell. And it was the excitement at you cracking the equation. I'm liking, I'm liking that as the equation that we frame this conversation around and the context for thought leadership, for sure. Excellent. I mean, if my husband watches this, he's someone who 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 likes to have a little play with an equation every now and then. He's probably going to have a lot to to comment on this. <laughs> but you're not professing to be an expert in equations, no. but <laughs> we feel like we've got a good one for the purposes of what we need it for. Yeah. Anyway, bring bring it back on in, on topic. How does being a thought leader help you to be a leader? Good question. So I think there's something for me in this about being positioned as the expert. So we've Mm -hmm. talked about that expertise. I think there's something there then, and this is maybe about the how, which is what you were talking about, like what's the difference that you're bringing, that actually it can help you to earn trust and build trust with different Mm. groups of people and earn some level of respect as a leader who uh, knows what they're talking about and is willing maybe to put themselves out there to share their thinking and their views around something which I think is helpful in that trust and respect kind of space 
And I think there's something around it helping you to build your reputation. And I know we've word done an I've episode. <laughs> yeah, there was an episode we did some time ago now about reputation management where we were like, we're not talking about manipulating things and reputation management in the style of a Malcolm Tucker, but we are talking about, you know, being a leader, you whether you like it or not, you will have some sort of reputation that, that is being built out there. And actually being a thought leader, I think, helps you um, to build that reputation um, in that space in which you want to be kind of known. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, the reputation, it helps um, position your personal leadership brand. But I think reputation also from an organisational perspective and the benefits that, that an organisation can gain from your thought leadership shouldn't be overlooked because that is part of how they can attract other people to work there because they want to work alongside people who are doing great things. It's how they can attract maybe the right customers or clients or, or whoever it is that they're serving because they want to be at the cutting edge or in that space of different thinking. Um, so reputationally, it's, it's how you can get more money and investments, how it might, it might impact your ratings and performance. So there's lots of different ways it can have a really positive impact on you. And it's a way that you can differentiate yourself and your organisation in, in that space. And I'm really pleased you put that bit in there about the organisation as well, because I think, and, and this may be true for some individuals, I think thought leadership can definitely be kind of pigeonholed into it's about people's ego and about, about individuals wanting to you know, build their own brand and all of that kind of stuff. And actually, for me, the point you made about like it supporting your reputation and therefore the reputation of your organisation for all of those reasons you've said and probably more, I think is really important kind of factor around our whole conversation about thought leadership and why it might be important. Yeah. So ego is an is an interesting word that you've brought up and it leads me to my next area of exploration which is uh, is thought leadership I suppose is it something that you just are and you can say you are or <laughs> is it something that you can only be by being named by others so do you have to actively position yourself as a thought leader or do you only become recognized as one if others define and deem you to be such so I think that's an interesting one because for me, there's a bit of both mm. in the answer to that question. So I absolutely think other people have, you have to be somebody that other people are interested in hearing from and listening to and potentially taking action on what you are saying. So I do think that other people will define you as a thought leader or not. Obviously, that can be quite a subjective thing because your opinion and the thoughts that and viewpoint that you share will resonate with some people and not with others and I'm sure we'll kind of talk a bit more about what that looks like um a bit later on but I so I do think other people will and have to to some degree define you as a thought leader if that's the you know the label mm. that, we're, that we're going with but I also think you there is an element of you positioning yourself as such because as you quite rightly pointed out at the start of the conversation, there are absolutely tons of people who are experts in what they do, but they are not all thought leaders. 
And often it hasn't happened by chance that Mm. somebody has been defined by someone else as a thought leader because they are intentionally and actively putting themselves out there to share their opinions, their um, viewpoints, their thoughts on a certain topic. So I think you have to be doing it with intent um, to be able to kind of be in that space because otherwise everyone would be a thought leader who is an expert in a particular field and they are definitely not. Um, so I think there is a, a bit of both happening there mm. that kind of ends up in somebody kind of then being in that position as a thought leader. Yeah, and you're right about it, the lens in which you and others are viewing you can be seen as as whether you are seen as one or not and I, and I think there was two things that came to mind as you were talking one was there's someone on, on Instagram who <laughs> I, won't I thought you were going to say who shall remain nameless <laughs> but they I will won't, I won't know <laughs> um, but they really wind me up because they're constantly talking on the daily about how they're really different and they think differently and they do stuff differently and that's part of their USP that they're trying to sell but then what they do is what I see about 20 million other people doing on Instagram. And I can see that they've basically done all the courses that these, you know, the gurus have done and then are repeddling it with their own thing. But they're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it differently. I'm like, and, I, and I, I'm so close so many times just replying going, but are you really? <laughs> are you really? <laughs> Where's your evidence that you're doing it differently? Because I've just seen so-and-so's course you were on say the same thing. <laughs> They're so going through the formulaic approach to doing things differently the same way as everyone else is yeah. doing things differently. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's that thing around that person absolutely is trying to position themselves as a thought leader, but in my opinion, is bringing nothing new different. Going back to our um, equation, questionable whether they're an expert, definitely not unique, not sure I've seen much evidence, therefore... Uh-uh. I'm loving the uh, uh, I'm loving the equation. <laughs> the equation says uh, uh. <laughs> I've, I've, my mental image as I was doing that was you know in um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when they're weighing the eggs and it's like deciding whether it meets the equation whether they go around the good or bad yeah. shoot. That was what was happening. So going down was, the bad shoot. Yeah. The person who shall remain nameless is yeah. shooting down that bad shoot as we speak now because they've been through the, our equation. Yeah. <laughs> equation machine but then on the kind of flip side i've worked with leaders in the past and we've looked at things like thought leadership and what is what is their view how can they differentiate themselves when they're applying for new jobs for example when they're trying to demonstrate and raise the organizational profile so it's not necessarily come you know hasn't come from the point of ego but it's come from a point of how do i build the reputation of this organization and this great stuff that we do and we tap into what is what is the stuff that you're doing that you could talk about confidently and that is showing that it's a bit different to what everyone else is doing um and so yeah it's it's a i've went off on a slight tangent there (laughs) i've still got visions of the uh charlie and the chocolate factory equation machine so we're we're saying it's a, it's a bit of both. You you need to do a bit of self reflection and and recognition of whether you want to be a thought leader or not. Um, but just y- you saying that you are so without these other conditions being met yeah. doesn't doesn't make you one. Absolutely, um, and you are more likely to be a stronger thought leader if other people back you up and refer to you as such. 
Yes, definitely. Okay. That's a good summary, Lee. <laughs> um, so organisational positions, because we've talked about the organisational benefits of supporting or having thought leaders within their midst. But um, is it something that you should be seeking agreement from or at least alignment with an organisation when you're starting to develop that thing that only you think about? I mean, in all honesty, I think if there is organisational alignment there, then that is clearly going to be much easier. Yeah. Um, kind of position to be in and I have to say I have worked for organizations um where there have been expert clinicians who have very strongly held views backed up by research and evidence in some cases about certain um maybe sort of like clinical things mm, treatments mm. or whatever who are very vocal about that and are definitely seen as thought leaders but whose view goes against maybe um the organizational view because it challenges perhaps like nice guidelines if we're talking about healthcare for example yeah. so it maybe challenges the accepted view of how things should be done and that can become really difficult because it's yeah it's just really hard isn't it to mm. marry up the two where organization it's like well um as an organization we're delivering this type of service or treatment to somebody but we have an individual who's well-renowned thought leader who actually says almost the opposite and yeah. that, so that does become a challenge and that is quite hard I think to well I don't think there is a balance to be struck sometimes but it is just quite hard to operate in that space because obviously if that thought leader is coming from a place of expertise with the evidence to back it up why should they not be yeah. sharing that so um, I, I think sometimes it might be situational dependent mm. um in terms of how much risk or you know how much challenge there might be in that space but I, I do think it is a really tricky one and obviously the benefits for an organization and the individual when there's alignment is probably more exposure and more opportunities for that person's viewpoint to to be out there and influencing and impacting things whereas if there isn't that alignment with the organization you might feel like there's a sort of butting of heads yeah. a lot of the time which which yeah is difficult to and we and we manage. saw that in the pandemic actually didn't we We're, again the health sector but also in other sectors where there was the the kind of anti-vaxxers versus the vaxxers mm -hmm. and the evidence of that and um yeah just even policies and procedures in the health service yeah, and whether like people agreed with it or not and the view of the scientists and the healthcare professionals sometimes not always align in, but more often than not, them align in, but the views of government being quite different. So, yeah. there, you know, and there is always a space, isn't there, for constructive challenge. So I'm not saying everything should always be in that no. space where everyone agrees, <clears throat> but I think just depending on the, the topic, it can potentially be more challenging if there isn't that alignment there with the organisation. But it will depend on how the organisation chooses to react to that, I think, because if you're in an organisation who's quite open-minded and about learning and growth and development and is maybe in, in a position where they feel better able to take risks, they're probably going to be less upset by having a thought leader in their midst that thinks something slightly different to them than mm -hmm. an organisation who's perhaps maybe not in that space and not as forward thinking and who would see it all as a a kind of you know issue to be managed rather than something to maybe flex and roll with yeah 
So we're saying we don't think it's it. It's not imperative that you get organisational sign off. It may be wise if you think that, particularly from a media reputational point of view, that there's likely to be something of interest. And of course, organisations may wish to use it for their own benefit as well, and therefore would be keen to help support, promote your views and the views, you know, to, to, to claim them as their own as, as such. <laughs> or you, claim you as one of their own, at least, if they can't claim the views as their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there is something about, particularly if you're going into maybe a more public platform, and I don't just mean traditional media, but if you're setting up online, you're writing publishing papers, you might be doing a podcast you might be actually this is a really good tangent but you are someone who works for an organization yeah you talk about leadership stuff outside of being in an organization you run this podcast you have another podcast you do events and whatnot where you talk about your views on the leadership world how have you married that with your kind of organizational positioning and your professional positioning So I would say first up that I've been really transparent about the fact that I do it. So I'm not trying to hide it, which would be ridiculous to do, wouldn't it? Because I share it everywhere. So (laughs) found out. Nothing to see here. Yeah, nothing to see here, really. Um, That would be a bit awkward. But um, so so I think there's something about being upfront about that. I think the things that I talk about in terms of my leadership experience um, are fully aligned to my own values and my own thinking around leadership. So. I feel like I'm acting with integrity because I would like to think as much as is humanly possible, the conversations I have with you on this podcast, for example, would reflect the way I would operate as a leader in my organisation. Now, if my organisation has got an issue with the way that I operate as a leader, then I think that's probably the thing for them to address more so than the conversations I'm having mm. in this space and and in other spaces publicly. And it has been an interesting kind of ride to be on, to be honest with you, because I've had a, a, a chief executive who I've worked for a chief executive who's been quite impressed that I've taken the time to put myself out there and do all of this stuff on top of what I do as a leader in my organisation um, and seen it as a good thing for the organisation, because if I'm getting invited to talk about this topic I might well also say that I'm a leader for my organization and and that's good for them to get them some coverage I've worked for a chief executive who has been even more proactive and shared some of my thinking and my comments in the public sphere around leadership but probably because our leadership values and behaviors align so it resonated with them so Mm. you know I think in the early days, I probably was a bit more nervous about it mm. because, but it was probably more being nervous about putting myself out there rather than what's my organisation going to think. Yeah. I think it was more of an existent, ex- I can't say the word, crisis about what is anyone going to think and why would yeah. they think that I've got something worth listening to, to uh, you know, in this space, but sort of as your confidence grows and you do it more. Yeah. Well, I remember and you and I aged. I've kind of got into that space of like, this is what I think. Take it or leave it. Yeah, to be honest yeah. with you, I'm only saying it based on my own experiences, and I'm not professing to be an expert in anything in particular. But this is a topic that really interests me. That I feel like I've got something valuable to say about. Oh, so you wouldn't you wouldn't meet our equation then as a thought? I wouldn't. No. no. Yeah, but I've never, professed, I've, I've never professed to be a thought leader so uh so yeah absolutely and I don't know if anybody else would ever think I was one either so 
So um, we've we've touched on this a few times about the the and it, it's made it into the equation this uniqueness this different way of thinking so we know thought leadership isn't about just parroting the views of everybody else or saying the same stuff as everyone else you're just an amplifier of someone else's thought leadership in, in doing that some people mistake that as thinking i must be controversial or put the cat amongst the pigeons to to be heard and to make my view different in order to be positioned in this way. So I'm interested in your views on being purposefully and intentionally controversial as a way to be that differentiator. So there is something for me around don't just say something to provoke a reaction. (laughs) <laughs> so um, I can see there might be a desire to be intentional in sort of being controversial and being different. But if you're just doing it for doing its sake, then I don't think that adds any value to anyone, to be honest, or for anyone, to be honest. So there's something for me about having the courage of your conviction. So if you genuinely think something that you have the evidence and data to back it up and demonstrate your points and it might so happen to be controversial and against the grain of what most people are saying in that space then have the courage of those convictions and say it because you know you've Mm. got everything behind you to back it up but if you're just saying something throwing it out there to get somebody to react to you and you know create that reaction then then that's when I I don't think that's the space that you should really be operating in because I don't think that shows enough integrity or expertise in your field or evidence or any of those things or uniqueness to be honest because there are blooming hundreds of people out there who also just say the opposite of what everyone else is saying for the sake of it and who actually thrive on being controversial so you know we think of the Donald Trumps of the world Katie Hopkins other people who quite frankly, I can only think are just saying the opposite of everyone else to be different. I think if you said to Donald Trump, you'll win the election by saying the sky is yellow, not blue, then, you know, possibly he'd say it or he wouldn't because he'd think, well, I want to say the opposite of what you say. So yeah, I I just think don't do it for doing its sake. But if you have got something that's really valid and important to contribute to a conversation and you have the courage of your convictions and the evidence behind you, then then definitely do it. But I would also caveat that with, um, often if you are that voice of difference, don't take it personally if people don't react to that in the way you might expect yeah. them to, because yeah. sometimes being that voice of difference and saying something that might be slightly controversial, despite having the evidence behind you to back it up, isn't going to go down well with everybody because people won't hold the same views as you necessarily. So don't take it personally if people go on the attack a bit and also don't attack back because I think you just um, make your argument less valid if you then get into a sort of tit for tat, I've said something, somebody doesn't like it and now we're just going to get in a spat about the fact that I've said something they don't like because you're sort of not doing justice to to Mm. the point that you're trying to make. Yeah, I think that's that's the the important bit. It's the there's there's almost three three elements for me. There's that test of in having this view, is it being true to my values? In having this view, am I being clear in my beliefs and my purpose in sharing this view? And 
in having this view, am I going to be willing to defend and argue my position come what may? Um, or am I going to retreat at, at the first sign of someone not agreeing because I want to be a people pleaser or whatever? So I think there's there's a difference, isn't there, between attacking back where you can be rude and hostile and name call versus defending your position by, by saying this is the evidence this is why I think the way I think, this is what I mean. I respect your position and I ask you to respect mine. Yeah. That respect bit I think is really important, isn't it? And again, part of positioning yourself in that thought leadership space is that you have to be respectful of other people's views as well. And you're not going to be the only thought leader if that's the, the label we're using that's operating in that sphere of interest that you've got so you have to be respectful of other people's views as well and I think that will go a long way to landing you and positioning you well as a thought leader actually. And I think there's something that that was coming up as, as you were talking and you you raised the examples of Trump, Katie Hopkins, possibly you could even say someone like Suella Braverman with some of the positions she's taken recently where they've come from it as a way to try and be popular and to try and build their connection and community with people who might think like that even if it isn't necessarily aligned with their real beliefs or aligned with their values and 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 I wonder whether it kind of it almost comes back to to legacy because the the true thought leaders build a the through that wealth of evidence that they've got they build that legacy that in years to come they can be seen as a thought leader in that position or, or in that um whatever the issue is that they've they've been positioning it on versus people who are populist but th- then they're probably seen as a bit flaky because they chop and change their mind dependent on the way and maybe that's how you identify a real thought leader with someone who's trying to just be popular definitely and the, and the thing i was thinking particularly when i mentioned um katie hopkins but there are others and and braverman is a good example of that there's something about the people who are in that space because they just want to stay in the public eye mm-hmm. um and so maybe they're being controversial or sharing an opinion on something because it keeps themselves relevant in their own eyes rather than the eyes of anyone else um and sort of believing in their own hype a little bit and i think that's you know that's not being a thought leader that's that is pretending that you're a thought leader yeah. but it's about the clarity of purpose isn't it the like why are you operating in that space as a thought leader and if it's just about hyping yourself up and keeping yourself in the public sphere then you're not doing it for the right reasons and therefore really can you be one yeah yeah that if if your aim is i'm trying to stay relevant yeah, you're you're not positioning yourself as a thought leader. You're you're trying to win a popularity contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm conscious of our time, but I want <laughs> us to get some practicalities in in place. So, what does thought leadership look like in practice? How do you start to figure out maybe what it is you're going to be known for? Are there tools and channels that you should consider using? Like, where where do you go if you go? Actually, yeah. I've got some views. I've got some evidence. I've, I've, I think it's pretty unique. Tick, tick, tick. You're in the right column. <laughs> what, You're meeting what? all aspects of the equation. <laughs> yeah. Where, where do you go from here to start to execute a plan that is sharing your views more broadly? I think there's something for me about clarity of purpose and message in all of that. So this is 
going back to some of the stuff we've talked about about around communications and about strategy I think so what's what's you have you got that clarity on purpose on message and on what it is that you are contributing in this space that you've chosen to to be in and I think there'll be some natural ways that you will decide because there'll be an alignment of a special interest or there'll be something that is aligned to your you know professional expertise that will be the area that you you are deciding to to focus on as a thought leader and um, but, but being really clear on that message and the evidence that you've got to back it up I think is hugely important because as you've said the moment you put something into the public domain you have to have the ability to defend your position on mm. that because there will be someone who will disagree with you or, or challenge you. I think there's something for me about um, really working out who it is that you are trying to reach with mm. your message. So have you got your intended audience in mind and are they people that you are trying to influence to do something differently for example or to take action are they people that you're trying to educate around a specific topic to get them to understand more about it or a different point of view so being really clear on the who you're trying to reach as a thought leader I think is also very important yeah and that can be as niche as you want it to be I think to to be honest with you depending on on the area of your expertise and, and and what you're talking about And then the bit for me about the sort of, so where do you show up is kind of where do they show up? Because there's absolutely no point in you having an interesting, innovative, unique, evidence-based view on something that you want to share into the world and it not reaching the people that you're trying to share it with because um, that, that will get you nowhere. So you don't want to just be you know, going off, putting it wherever. So I, th- I think there's something about doing that research around where are the, the audience you're trying to reach actually showing up and then looking at your opportunities to show up in that same space. So if it's that there are some particular groups on LinkedIn, for example, that are heavily focused on this particular topic, then that might be the space where you want to start contributing your thoughts and ideas. If it is uh, the people you're trying to reach are all reading a certain professional or trade journal. Do you want to try and pitch something in that space and get published in that space? Do you want to, you know, look at those websites and co- start contributing comments digitally to pieces that are about similar sort of topics? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's it's pretty much about how you'd work out a good comms plan, if I'm honest with you, yeah, around yeah. how you would approach some of that. So, um, so yeah, that would be my initial thinking around the sort of practicalities of how you start to show up uh, and where. But I'm sure you've got some extras to add, Lee. No, I, I mean, I think that was that was pretty comprehensive. I, I suppose the the thing that was going through my mind was that it doesn't need to be this. You know, you don't need to think of it on this big macro scale either you don't it doesn't need to be you've you've got to do a TEDx talk to millions of people or you've got to be in the national media and (laughs) to be getting attention it can be where are my professional networks and can I go and talk at a conference or am I at a round table where I can share some of these views Mm -hmm. and and input all the stuff you've said about comments is is a, a really um it's, it's great that's I mean it's all goes back to community and connection doesn't it um I, Substack interestingly I'm I'm finding to be quite a good space for I, I've subscribed to a couple of people who I would position as thought leaders and they are testing their ideas out there with communities that are interested in what they've got to say 
um, and allowing comment and discussion on theories that they're developing and stuff like that. And that, so that's a nice safe space that they're getting input into their ideas, but also sharing their thoughts. They're not, you know, they're not necessarily rocking up at news at 10 or, or in the newspaper, but they've, they've found their people, as it were, who are interested in that topic and they are academically starting to discuss stuff in a different environment so i think there there are loads of different spaces you could use um it it just goes back as you say so like what's the why what's the what's yeah. the purpose can you can you defend what it is you're talking about mm-hmm. and i think there's something really um powerful about it being a discussion and taking away from this like oh i have to have a big broadcast piece that's me telling the world something in a thousand word long essay or whatever and that actually it is about that connection and that discussion because if you genuinely want to influence and impact something as a thought leader you're not going to be able to do that just in one way so I do like what you said about that connection that collaboration that coming together in spaces with people who are interested in similar things to you who might not have the same point of view and would be interested in hearing what difference you're bringing to the table. I feel like that's a really important part of it because you're right. People can think it's about, oh, I've got to get the big article published in this broadcast, place or broadcast, the, yeah, broadcast. interview here. And it's like, it's definitely for me more about how you can influence and engage people through conversation, discussion, sharing your point of view rather than, like you say, I'm just going to tell you like it is and that's it. Mm. Perfect. Well, thank you for a very engaging um, discussion and for your views. Uh, thank you for the, our own little bit of thought leadership as we devised our own um, trademarked equation at the very <laughs> beginning. <laughs> I love it. To be ripped apart by your husband after this episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not a proper equation. <laughs> <laughs> and um, don't forget to hop over to Substack if you're not already subscribed because you will get um, a little email from, well, it'll be me this week because I've led this topic. So I'll have some further musings um, that I might want to share. I might even do like a little doodle. You might actually get like some kind you of You might graphic. get the Johnny Ball. And here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, I might just not bother because I might forget, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm managing expectations here. I love it. Anyway, we will see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit follow to make sure you get the next episode. And if today's discussion resonated, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We also have our Substack community where you can get behind the scenes info, ask us anything sessions and build your network with like-minded leaders. Visit howtotakethelead.substack.com to find out more. And if you want to work with us to challenge and change leadership in your organisation, get in touch by dropping us an email, howtotakethelead at gmail.com or DM us on the socials. Until next week, get out there and take the lead.